welcome online and in the building. I got a question for you to get us started. What story is your stuff telling? You know, we can learn a lot about people just by observation, by looking at their stuff. You can tell a little bit about people by the, the car they drive, right? Or are they an Apple person or a PC person or a Mac person or an iPhone, all, all those things. We can tell a lot about people by what they spend their money on. We can also tell a lot about people by what they put in their calendar. And those are usually closely related. You know, we are all super busy. Anybody not super busy? I see no hands. I was looking for volunteers. So, because <laughs> if you were busy, I was going to make you busy. If you're not busy online, say, hey, I'm online. I'm not busy. I'm chill. You know, give me something to do. But, you know, we're all generally busy, and we all have limited resources, and we think we don't have enough resources to do all the things that we would like to do. But, you know what we do have? We have time, and we have money for the things that we think are valuable. Is that right? So, again, the question is, what story is your stuff telling? We are continuing in our series called Warnings, and obviously this is going to be some warnings about stuff today. And we've talked about wisdom, pride, and humility. And last week we did a deep dive about trusting God instead of trying to play God in people's lives. If you missed any of that, go to the app, go to the website, go to our YouTube channel, sign up for those things, subscribe to those things, do it right now. If you're online, do it right now. Share the link with all your friends right now so they can join in right now and uh, catch up because there's some valuable stuff in the book of James, and we've been going through, through that. And today, we're coming to James chapter 5. James chapter 5 is a very interesting part of the book. The whole book is interesting, and the whole book is very practical. But in chapter 5, there's a couple of themes that are underlying that theme about warnings. The themes that, that you'll pick up subtly there are trouble and prayer. And we've been talking about living out our faith, living out our faith in a practical way, having genuine faith. And what James reveals here is that if you have living faith, genuine faith, then when you're in trouble, you will pray. True followers of Jesus take their troubles to Jesus and pray when they're in trouble. See, because what that does is that actually prayer submits us to God. It's an acknowledgement that we need him. It's an acknowledgement that we, we might be smart. He might have made us smart. We might have great skills. We might have some resources behind us and everything. But when we pray, we're saying, you know what? I can't do it all myself. We're submitting to God in that. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to actually kick off a, a series on prayer, and we'll have 21 days of prayer talking about our prayer life. And as a community of faith, we'll be gathering together in different forms all through those three weeks to have a focused season on prayer as we collectively say we're trusting God, we're dependent on God. But today in our passage in James chapter 5, these are some of the most direct and harsh words that he uses. He addresses another place that we can see people putting their faith and their confidence, their trust besides God. James chapter 5, it says this. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. 
The very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Some subtle words there from James. Yeah? You want to say, oh, no, James, go ahead. Say what you really mean. You know? He wasn't holding back, was he? Now, some of you are sitting here right now, and you heard the first words I said, where, where it says, look here, you rich people. And you're thinking, as soon as I said that, you're thinking, Shoo. all right, this is not for me today. Right? Right? Anybody, anybody say that? Right? Don't count yourself out so quick. If you live in this country, you are more well off than 95% of the rest of the world, financially, material stuff. So who, who's, who's rich, right? And again, we're not, this isn't about money and giving today, really. It's, it's really not. We're going to do that in a few more weeks' time. But you are part of the rich that he's talking to. So we need to look at this passage and see what he has to say that can help us as we consider our stuff and living out our faith. So looking back here again, it says, look here. You rich people, that's you and me, weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Right, when you decided you were going to get rich, did you think about that? All the terrible troubles that are ahead of you? That sounds strange. James says, look here. That means, let me have your attention, eyes up front. This is important. And he says, you rich people. Now, James has already, back in chapters 2 and chapter 3, he had already showed that there was a, distinct, a distinction between rich people in the church and poor people in the church. They were discriminating against the poor people, if you remember that. So some people think that the language here in James chapter 5 changes, and he's not calling them brothers and sisters and things like that anymore. So some people have made the assertion that, okay, James is now writing to rich people outside the church. I would suggest to you he's writing to people inside the church because the people inside the church would be the ones that were reading James's letter, okay? That just makes sense. And he's already talked about the fact you've got rich people and poor people, and they were making distinctions between each other. But I find this a very strange message to the rich people. They would have expected a message of respect, value, to be treated special maybe, Maybe they would have expected a message about the building fund and challenging them to give more to that. But James says something unexpected. Look out for the troubles that are coming. James uses Old Testament prophetic language here where he talks about weeping and groaning and anguish. Those words are only ever found in Scripture in the context of judgment. What's coming to them? is not only an earthly struggle, but judgment from the almighty God. That's what James is saying. Your riches are bringing judgment on you. Anybody feeling good right now? We said we're rich, and now riches are gonna bring judgment. You know, one thing I love about what he says here, it says that the troubles are ahead of you. You know what that shows us? 
That shows a patient God, a merciful God, who is not judging immediately, that he is wanting his people to repent and come back to him. So why, though, do we have this warning about stuff? Here we go. In verse 2, it says this. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. All right, a few things about stuff that cause James to say we need a warning here. First of all, stuff is temporary. Your wealth is rotting away. Your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. And your gold and silver are corroded. The wealth rotting away. This would have been talking literally about to farmers. We'll see that in verse four in a few minutes because they were abusing the people that were the workers in the field. The farmers were very successful. And in fact, in, uh, uh, the, uh, in that culture, land ownership was everything, probably not much different than it is today. Then it said that your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. The clothing was an outward sign of wealth. If you had nice clothes, people would respect you because you had nice clothes and that meant you were wealthy. Many people had one set of clothes, maybe two for laundry day. Then it says, your gold and silver are corroded. That says that even the most precious of materials are not eternal. They are temporary. So when we think about things that are temporary in our lives, think about uh, all those, those things that you have bought over your life. Think about even just the last few years. Think about when you went and you bought that new car. And it was all shiny and new, and it had the new car smell and everything for about 10 minutes. And then what happened? And now you're wanting to trade it in because there's another new, shinier, more bells and whistles and all that and everything. And what you thought was so amazing is not amazing anymore, right? And it started wearing out. How about those iPhones, right? I don't know what generation you're up to right now, but man, when the next one came out, it was like, wow, that is so much better. And I got to have that. And then six months later, after you bought that, the next one came out, right? And now the one you've got is trash, right? It's rubbish. It's awful. It won't do all the things anymore. Think about the clothes that were going to make you feel amazing and look amazing about yourself, right? Yep, you can tell. I, I work hard at that, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. And then after you warm a few times, they start fading or they stop fitting, right? And, and things like that. And then they're not as amazing anymore. And all those hundreds of dollars you spent on those clothes, and now they're going to Salvo's or somewhere else. Or, or you know, some people try to sell their, their, their junk on Marketplace. You, you, you see people selling junk on Marketplace? How hilarious is that? Because I, I look at some of the junk there, and uh, I, I, I look at me cleaning out stuff. And I think, okay, that's just going in the rubbish. It's going in the bin. But I see stuff worse than that. Actually, people trying to sell their stuff. Anyway, don't try to sell your stuff if it's rubbish. Just throw it in the rubbish. That was free. <laughs> then he says this. First of all, your stuff is temporary. It says the very wealth you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. So not only is stuff temporary, stuff can't be trusted. He said, you are counting on this stuff. You're counting on this wealth, and it's actually eating away your flesh like fire. You had confidence this was going to take care of you. These farmers he's addressing here thought they were set for life. They had made it. Right now, many of you probably understand this, both here in our community and around the world. Economic times have not been stellar the last few years. 
Interest rates here are, are going crazy and inflation's still going crazy and one's supposed to balance the other out, aren't they? But they, they're both going woo up and to the right or to the left or whatever and just out of your wallet. That's, that's where they're going. And then there was some of us, many of us lived through this thing. Get this now. 15 years ago called a global financial crisis. Do you remember that? 15 years ago. Wow, I thought that was yesterday. And some people still haven't recovered. Some people lost everything, all their life savings in a global financial crisis. And then a few years ago, of course, we had the pandemic and that wreaked havoc in the economy and jobs got lost and, and businesses were shut down. And some people, maybe even in this room and again, online around the world, still haven't recovered from that. Stuff's temporary. Stuff can't be trusted and you know, besides all that, even if you haven't suffered all those losses that we're talking about right now, you know what you found out is that what you thought the stuff was going to bring you didn't happen. You thought it was going to bring you joy, happiness, peace, contentment, did it for about five minutes until the next thing came along or the other thing that you didn't have. Or maybe a real crisis came into your life, like the health of a loved one, or other things that are far more important than stuff. Stuff doesn't make us happy. So why do we put our confidence in stuff? Why do we put our confidence in the stuff that we amass and acquire, and then in just a few short years, or months even, it becomes junk? Why do we do that? I would suggest to you we do that because we're not trusting God for his provision. We talked a lot about trusting God last week, and we're building on that today. In Matthew chapter 6, it says this. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at this part. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all of your words add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. Look at this. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow... He will certainly care for you. Why have you so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We worry because we don't believe those things, because we don't really trust God's provision. So we worry and we try to amass wealth and stuff because the wealth and stuff is going to take care of our needs for the long term, right? Jesus said, God takes care of the animals. God takes care of the plants. Who likes the fact that God takes care of animals? All the animal people in the building? Yep, yep. Anybody want a cat? 
Anybody plant people? Isn't it beautiful? God takes care of the plants and everything. All right, get this. I want you to hear this so clearly because it's what Jesus said. This is what I said. God cares about you more than he cares about the animals. And God cares about you more than he cares about the silly plants. Oh, the, the plants, the beautiful plants. He really, really does. Now, you, some of you are sitting here, and you would not deny that. But down deep inside, you might care more about the animals and plants than you care about yourself even. God says, flip that. I will take care of you. We need to trust God. You know what happens when we're not trusting God for those provisions, when we're worried and we're trying to take care of it all of ourselves? Is it fixing it when we worry about it? No. It's just adding to robbing our peace. It's just taking more and more of our peace away. So not only is uh, stuff can't be trusted, but stuff is also troublesome. According to that same verse, it's going to cause you problems. It says it eats away your flesh like fire, the judgment language. You know, stuff reveals character. And misuse of stuff actually corrodes our, our character. James is talking about immediate judgment here. We're talking about long-term judgment, but we're also talking about when he talks about eating away your flesh like fire, stuff will eat at you is what, what James is saying here. The, the concern for stuff, because you want to protect the stuff, because you want to get more stuff, it will start eating you alive. And the pursuit of that will eat at you. That's what James is saying here. Now, just in case you're wondering, James is not saying being rich, having stuff is awful. He's not saying that at all. He's saying misusing your riches is awful, is sinful. It's good to have riches in your hand, provided that they haven't gotten into your heart. Psalm chapter 62 says this, though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. God provides things for our enjoyment, but we can't let those things Grip our hearts. Our hearts can't be aligned to those things. See, of itself, money is not sinful. Money is neutral, but it's the love of money that is the root of all evil, according to 1 Timothy chapter 6. When we look at the, the commandments, the 10th commandment is thou shalt not covet. But you know what? If you break that one, that causes you to break all the other ones, right? Because this is such a volatile thing in our lives of wanting stuff. Then he goes on, he says this, this corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. All right, so stuff is temporary. It can't be trusted. Stuff is troublesome, but stuff also creates a testimony. It tells a story. They had hoarded their wealth, and James isn't condemning the fact that they're rich. It's how they were using it. They had not used it to build. So what stories were being told by their wealth? That's what I want to unpack with you for the rest of our time. It says in verse 4, for listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. Their stuff was telling a story of abuse and neglect of the poor. Their stuff was saying, we've abused and neglected poor people. We've cheated poor people. We've gotten rich by ripping other people off. That's what their story was telling. 
In first century Palestine, the, the, the landowners, they, they had absorbed all the small farms and small farmers ended up hiring themselves back to the new landowners. And they expected daily wages. They needed daily wages to live on. And that was a part of the law. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, it talks about not holding back the wages after sunset to give them their daily wages because they were dependent upon it. And these rich landowners were holding it back. They had cheated them out of their wages. Amos, in prophesying the downfall of the nation of Israel, said this. Listen to this. You who rob the poor and trample down the needy, you can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over and the religious festivals to end so you can get back to cheating the helpless. Condemning words. Hoarding stuff doesn't just demonstrate false priorities. It also deprives other people of actual life itself. And these were religious people that Amos is writing to and James. And they said, you can't wait for the Sabbath to be over so that you can get back to cheating people. It's compartmentalized faith. You can't wait for Sunday to be over. I've ticked the hour and a half box on Sunday morning. Now I can go back this week and I can go back to cheating people and amassing stuff and wealth and getting rich on the backs of a, you know, all, that, that, that's what James would have been saying here. You come in and you worship and you, you're saying, yay, Jesus, love Jesus. And then you're going out and demonstrating in your life that you don't really have care and compassion for other people. It's another instance in James 4, 17 where it says, if you know to do right and don't, it's sin. John Calvin said this, God has not appointed gold for rust nor garments for moss, but on the contrary, he's designed them as aids and helps to human life. There's a reason that we have riches. James goes on. He said, for listen, hear the cries. Then it says, the cries of those who who harvest your fields have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. That is a sobering thought. Think about people that maybe you might have mistreated at some point in your life. I know you're not doing it now, right? You, nobody's doing this stuff now. Think about people, though, that maybe you took advantage of or mistreated. And they were hurt, and they didn't know what to do. So they were in trouble, and they prayed. And they're talking to the God of heaven about you. James is saying, God's heard their prayers and he's gonna answer them. That's sobering for you and I. He then goes on to say, you've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying every desire. You fatten yourselves for the day of slaughter. So their stuff not just told a story of neglect and abuse of the poor people, but also of self-indulgence and short-sightedness. Self-indulgence and short-sightedness. He says, uh, this isn't the exploitation he's talking about. This is simply living a lavish lifestyle while other people are going in need. Satisfying every desire, earthly-focused, not eternity-focused. He says, you have condemned innocent people. You have condemned and killed innocent people who did not resist you. Their stuff also told a story of injustice a lack of compassion, ignoring the marginalized. While they were living extravagantly, they were exploiting and even exterminating people by extension. 
When it says you killed innocent people, you do not resist. I couldn't help but think about Jesus because he's writing to Jews who have been converted, who are following Jesus now, but their heritage would have been of killing Jesus who did not resist them. So what is this thing that we're talking about today? We're talking about in our individual lives, being rich and how we manage that and everything. But what is this thing called the church? You know, I love what we do here. I love Sundays. I live for Sundays. It's so exciting to gather with God's people, to sing and praise God, to pray, to catch up, to learn together. It's good. But friends, if this is where our faith stops, if this is the expression of our faith, we are completely missing what our faith journey is supposed to be all about. Amos said it this way, I hate, and he's speaking for God here as God's prophet, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. Friends, what we do here on Sunday, if it's not followed by a mighty stream of justice, meeting people's needs through the week in our community and around the world, if we're not living that out, then God says, I'm not interested in what you're doing on Sunday morning. Okay, please don't take that to the extreme. He is interested because guess what? We are doing stuff in the community. We are doing stuff in our world. See, James has just called out these rich people who are trusting their stuff more than God. And their story uh, that their stuff was telling was one of ruthlessness and abuse. Uh, abuse and it was self-indulgent, short-sighted, lacking compassion and fueling injustice. How are we to treat riches? The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Teach them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Question. Are you trusting God? Are you trusting stuff or are you trusting God? Trusting God or trusting stuff? Jesus said you can't do both. You'll love the one and hate the other. What are you trusting? Okay, if you're trusting stuff, can I remind you, stuff is gonna let you down. Because it's temporary, it can't be trusted. It's troublesome. And then it has a testimony. It tells a story. So really the question for you today is what story is your stuff telling? That's where we started. Is it telling a story about fueling greed or filling needs? Is it telling a story about self-indulgent living or sacrificial giving? Is it telling a story about creating comfort or showing compassion? One of the hallmarks of our church these days, I'm happy to say, one of the things that seems to be defining us more and more is our work in the community. 
I am seeing visibly us doing stuff with our coach program and the EFC. I showed up on Thursday night and saw people from our community having a meal and things like that and the coat drive that we just did and all that. I see our people respond to those things. Good on you. Good on you. Because that's what James is talking about. He's saying you're living out your faith in practical ways. You're actually helping people. Praise God for that. I hear stories about people receiving food parcels, showing up on their doorstep, and nobody even knew that they had a need. I hear stories of people getting a couch or an appliance or something like that. And you know, you know, you know what's really funny sometimes? It's when I hear the story, I end up finding out or knowing who actually did it, and it was a sacrifice for the person. That is beautiful, people. Thank you for being a church that is focused on those things. You know, we saw Sharon get baptized this morning. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that moment with us today. That's the stories that we want to hear about. That's the stories we want to be a part of. This month, we've talked about being a part of the story of lives changed and hope multiplied in relation to the building fund. And I encourage you to be a part of that story. And people have given. You know, over the years, I, I know stories of actually people, when, when this building was being built, there are people who were ready to retire but actually worked a couple of more years to have more money to give. Those are beautiful stories, stories of sacrifice. But while that could be a clear application to the message today, I want you to look at the people around me right now up here. The people that just led you earlier and are about to lead you again. It's not about a building. And we talked about raising money for the building fund, but it's about building the story, building into these guys, these young people. It's about building into not only them, but my, my three grandkids right up here on the front row that are too little to even be in kids' men right now, or too grumpy to be in kids' men, one or the other. I don't know. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. So when we say, give to the building fund or give for this or give for that, friends, I want you to hear loud and clear, those are the things we're talking about. It's not about the stuff that we can acquire even as a church. Imagine being a part of a story that 100 years from now will be being told in this place. 200 years from now will be being told in probably a different place. This building will wear out before then because stuff is temporary. You can decide what your stuff is going to be telling. Question, what story is your stuff telling? Is it time to maybe adjust it? Maybe rewrite the script a bit? Write a story about generosity, care, compassion. A story about multiplying hope in this community and around the world. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for James not holding back on saying hard stuff. And Lord, it, it hurts to read some of these things. It hurts to, to apply those to our lives. Lord, it hurts for me to think about these things sometimes. Lord, we are so prone to want stuff and to build our lives around that and trust in that. Lord, release us from that. Help us to follow you with our stuff. Help our stuff to write a story that points people to you. In Jesus' name, amen.